August 27th, 1896. It's a Thursday morning, exactly 9am. General Lloyd Matthews passes down his orders to the British fleet to commence. Two minutes later, HMS Raccoon, Thrush and Sparrow open fire, hurling their shells into the target. This is the start of the Anglo-Zanzibar War, which is considered the shortest war in history. On this episode, episode, on this episode, we race the war and see if we can make the episode go longer than the war itself. Welcome to Cheeky episode, Tales. This episode. This <laughs> episode. <laughs> you have been talking about doing this as a concept for a long time. I have, yes. And I had to change the concept. So... This war, as we'll discover in this episode. Well, first off, welcome to Cheeky Tales' this Fortnight. I am your host, episode 55, John. With me is Aaron, who had a shorter pa- uh, setup time this week because yeah. you've only had to set up two mic stands. Our producer is busy, so we don't have him. So expect this to be an absolute hot mess of an episode. <laughs> Any question, you're not getting an answer. Oh, and pronunciations because- Sorry, what? Pronunciation? Pronunciations is going to be a good start. all over the place. So, <laughs> What have you been up to? Uh, I, know, I know I'm just trying to trigger us talking about pulling a pool apart yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah. I pulled a pool apart yesterday. That was fun. Um, was it fun? I thought it was fun. I'm glad you had fun because I was stuffed afterwards. Oh, I had a nap, which I never do. <laughs> I didn't have time for a nap. I had to unload said pool after we pulled it down and loaded it back to my house. Yeah, that would have been fun for you. So, yeah. Uh, back to the topic at hand. A war. Sorry, before we get that, thanks thanks for helping out uh, as of recording yesterday, boy. It was much That's appreciated. Right. I had fun. That's good. For anyone out there, if you get offered to help pull apart a uh, permanent in, uh, above ground pool, it is good fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good to know. Pro tip, just get a new liner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Anglo-Zanzibar war is a short war. And my original concept for this episode was to step through the war in real time. Not possible. There's not that much information to step through in <laughs> for 38 minutes. Sit quietly for a while. <laughs> so we go through a bit of backstory. Okay. And there's, there's actually quite a lot of build-up. As how with about, most can, wars. How about we start a timer and when important moments happen, we can say, oh, no, because the episode's not going to be long enough. Yeah, don't worry. So- the episode started, all right? When I said two minutes later the ships had commenced fire, that's yep. when we've started the timer. So we're going to try and time this episode roughly around the same amount okay. of time. So we've got to keep an eye on the clock. All right, we're at three minutes minus probably about one of stuffing around. Let's go. All right. Yeah, it's going to be a bit difficult to time it because you've got editing and stuff to shorten it out. But we're going to try and make the episode go for the length of the war, which is already, if you're a regular listener- Already gives you an idea how long this goes for. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to go through a bit of a, a backstory. We're doing another war story, but we're outside the realms of World War II. Um, bit of back history into Zanzibar. What do you know about Zanzibar, boy? It's got the best name of any country. You reckon? Yeah, Zanzibar. Zanzibar. My knowledge prior to this, um, I knew it existed only <laughs> because it's a famous or a well-known Halo 2 multiplayer map uh i think it's also mentioned in uh one of the uh songs that uh the band that i'm thinking of 
does. Yeah. You know the one with Jack Black? <laughs> Tenacious D. That's the one. I love how you explained that. You're like, it's a song from a band. That I'm thinking that of. really narrowed it down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm on fire this morning, boy. Uh, it's an afternoon. It is. Oh, just. <laughs> so yeah, it was our a- earliest recording ever. Yeah. It was a very good Halo 2 map. I don't know. How much of Halo 2 did you play? Absolutely none. Okay. You'd, you know I, I'm not a Halo guy. Yeah, but if I showed you it, you'd probably recognize it. it was, Maybe. It was like the Halo 2 map. Okay. Anyway, that's, that's where I knew from it. All right. And I kind of knew it was in Africa somewhere just because of that. Sure. It is made up of two larger islands and multiple smaller islands. Cool. So the two larger islands are called Ungaja. Mm-hmm. U-N-G-U-J-A. Okay. So however you want to pronounce Ungaja. it. Ungaja. That's the main island, and Pemba Island um, is the smaller island further to the north. Just getting a, uh, getting a quick map of Zanzibar up. I believe at the time of our story, uh, Unganja was actually called Zanzibar Island. And okay. it kind of did, but didn't include the other islands as well. That all changed in 1964. So about, what, 60 years after this story takes place? Sure. Uh Zanzibar, or that region, went through a revolution. The Afro-Shirazi party overthrew the ruling sultan, who was of an Arab political party. So around about 800 poorly armed men, mainly African insurgents, aided by some recently ex-policemen, stormed Ungaja's police stations and seized weapons and radios. These, uh, you'd call them, I guess, rebels or revolutionaries, they weren't very well armed. Um, they, they didn't have guns. They were armed with like spears, knives and machetes and tire irons. So, okay. Yeah. They overthrew the police stations and, and picked up rifles and stuff like that. So after the uprising, they united with Tanganyika. 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 Mm. Uh, to form the United Republic of Tanzania. Tanganyika was released from the Commonwealth to become a sovereign state in the late 1961, early 1962. Zanzibar remains a semi-autonomous province within Tanzania. So that's kind of where it is now. It's kind of governed yeah. under Tanzania. Okay. I'm looking at a map and I'm picturing myself doing so. <laughs> <laughs> the islands themselves are off the east coast of the mainland, which, mm. is, of, which is now called Tanzania, like that area there. Ungaja is 25 kilometres off the coast and Pemba Island is 50 kilometres. Like I said before, Pemba being the northmost island. Capital city is Zanzibar City, and it's residing on Unganja. I love when countries or like states call their capital city just, you know, place city. So like for us, it'd be Queensland City. Yeah. If, if <laughs> Brisbane, or like if Canberra was called Australia City. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favourite thing. The capital of Australia, Australia City. Yeah. Um, Sean mentioned that last episode, didn't he? It was like Kansas City is in- Yeah, is not in Kansas. Arkansas. I in, yeah. And Arkansas City is in Kansas? Yeah, I think Kansas City is actually in Missouri. Oh, okay. Let me find out. Kansas City, Missouri. There you go. I don't know why you'd do that. Yeah, especially considering Kansas is a place. Yeah. Yeah. Its largest city is Wichita. Which Wichita? Wichita. Oh, which one? Wichita. Okay, thank you. The Kansas Wichita. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and roughly, I knew what you were doing, but I wasn't going to let you do it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it's it's the area of the islands, roughly 2,462 square so kilometers. So, at this point, they've broken in. They've stolen some radios. Yep. And what, a gun? Oh, they, they stole- They broke in to take radios and guns to right. arm them- um, the okay. rebellion thing. So was this, this was a civil unrest? Yes. Okay. I haven't really gone too much into it because it's yeah. like, could be like a whole half story. I want so to get to- So we got a coup. There was a coup. Coop. There it is. <laughs> John and, and I frequently play a board game called Coup and I refuse to call it Coup. I will only call it Coop. And every time I see his eye twitch just a little bit. <laughs> so that was, that's how we get to current day Tanzania from- where Zanzibar was. Yeah, and I've often thought, gee, I wonder what the history of Tanzania is. I mm. mm. actually know someone from Tanzania, so I have Do thought you? that before. Yes. Oh, okay. There you go. Have you, have you really, have you actually thought that, I wonder what the history of Tanzania is? Not Has really. that thought actually crossed your mind? Not really, but- Yeah, I didn't think so. Reading to this, it's not overly that old. Tanzania has only existed since 1964, whereas I assumed it would have existed previously. It's an African nation, right? Yep. That's pretty standard for African nations. Unfortunately, they're not very stable. Yeah, right. So, like I said, roughly 2,462 square kilometres of land area and home to, as of a 2022 census, almost 1.9 million people. Not a, not a, a huge amount. But it's about Brisbane. Mm-hmm. I'm also reading here that Tanzania, uh, sorry, tourism in Zanzibar uh, grew from 19,000 tourists in 1985 to 376,000 in 2016. Yes. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because their main industries are spice, mm. rafia, and tourism. Okay. Rafia what was is that a, second one? Rafia. Rafia. Okay. It is a type of palm tree and its sap can be made into wine. Okay. Is this our next Cheeky Tales wine? Didn't we it have mead be. last time? We and had mead, yeah. If we can track down God, some rafia some wine. Mead. That was delicious. So yeah, the sap of the tree gets turned into wine and also- Rafia wine. It can be- uh, like the tree itself can be used in construction with fibers being used in ropes and twine, etc. Oh, it comes in really cool bottles. Does it? Yeah. Look at them. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. I wonder if that's like the- Looks like the 1930s Coke bottle. Yeah. I wonder if- Does it look like it's got like fiber on the bottom? Yeah. I wonder if that's made from the palm tree fibers. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, we can get it from Dan Murphs. All right. We're going to get that next, next time. Fermented tree sap doesn't sound really all that appealing, but- I mean, that's basically just what maple syrup is. That's just tree sap. Mm. Uh, looks like they uh, do not have any available. Okay. That's a shame. <laughs> but five stars. Oh, nice. Mm. All right, we'll have to put that one on the wish list. Mm. Any uh, Rafia wine producers out there, if you want to sponsor Cheeky Tales, <laughs> hit us up, cheekytales at hotmail.com. <laughs> Um, That's at Gmail, thank you. Oh, Gmail, sorry. The spices the islands produce are cloves, nutmeg, cinnamon, and black pepper. A big spice trade. Yep. The islands have had a long history, with some evidence of inhabitants dating back to, not to, 20,000 years. That is more than I've been alive. Mm. We've also had Greco-Roman texts between 1st and 3rd century uh, mentioning Ungaja, all the way up until 1498 when Vasco da Gama visited the islands. Okay. Who's he that? was a Portuguese explorer. Right. And was the first European to reach India by sea. Okay. So I guess that's a bit of a technicality. He might not have been the first European to reach India, 
but to yeah. go there by sea. <laughs> when did the Silk Road start? Well, this was in 1498, so if it, I'm going to say it's pre that. Uh, yeah, 1,500 years. Started in 130 BC. That's a long time ago. Mm. Until 1453. Yeah, right. Mm. So that finished and then they were like, well, we need to get try to get there by sea. And obviously yeah. this bloke did it. Yeah. Vasco da Gama. In 1504, Zanzibar had become part of the Portuguese Empire. Some captain by the name of Rui Luz, Lorenzo Vasquez Marquez, he landed and he demanded he receive tribute from by the Sultan. Just showed up. Give me your money. Wish we could do that now. <laughs> Show up to City Hall. Oh, yep. Give us some money. Well, he received it. Oh, really? Yep. And in return, there was peace. What an odd system. Just show up. Give me some tribute. Mm. This, this is, is just a <laughs> This is not the greatest blackmail in history. It's just a tribute. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't remember the greatest blackmail in the world. No. And it stayed that way where there was peace in that region for nearly two centuries. That's a long time. However, it seems Portugal didn't keep too close of an eye on their province. In 1591, an English ship, the Edward Bonaventure, made landfall and found no Portuguese fort or garrison. Uh Uh-oh. This was corrected in 1653 when a fort was established. Why? Why? Are you going to tell me? I am going. Are you going to wait for me to tell you? hang on. There was no Portuguese fort. Nope. Or garrison. Had there been one earlier? Nope. Okay. So they're now building one. In what year? 1653. Okay. So it's probably going to be something to do with Spain. Nope. Oh. The Sultan of Mombasa slaughtered a bunch of Portuguese residents years Uh, earlier. Yeah, probably should have seen that one coming. Mm. Got a bit sick of it and- Yep. Bye-bye. The island then come under the control of the Sultans of Oman in 1698 until 1853 when Sultan Majid Ben Said declared the island as independent. What did Majid Ben say? He declared the island as independent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there's this whole- There's a whole story of like Sultan lineage coming from that East African area. I kind of just skipped it and just said- Right. They ruled. um, (laughs) John loves them. Cool. Yeah. Well, These so, guys rule. Yeah, they, <laughs> there's a, there's a quite a detailed history for what happened and stuff okay. like that. But I want to get to yeah. Well, you've only got 15 minutes of war left. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm get to the war. <laughs> Eventually, control of Zanzibar came to the British Empire. Of course, it did. This was because the 19th century movement, which would abolish the slave trade, as Zanzibar was the centre of the East African slave trade. Right. In 1822, the British consul in Muscat pressed the salt, pressed Sultan said to end the slave trade by signing the Moresby Treaty. Ever heard of the Moresby Treaty? No. It was the first in a series of treaties with Britain to prohibit slave trade like, and, and stopped it south and east of the Moresby Line, which goes from Cape Delango in Africa to Dewey Head on the coast of India. Right. So the British, yeah, at this, so which I didn't know. Saying- no slaves from here north. Yep, pretty much. No, south. As in they can't take slaves from there or they can't use slaves in those areas? Both, I think. Right. It's stopping taking slaves and it's stopping the use of slaves. Okay. So I didn't realise that this early 19th century push from Britain 
they were pushing all through this area trying to cut out slaves. Yeah. Sort of thing. When did the revolution or the civil war in America? Oh, it was like the 1700s, wasn't it? Oh, no, the civil war in the US. Yeah. That was in like the 1800s. So I'd say probably around the same time America was going- it was, was like going, the 1850s or something. Yeah, I'm going to say America through the same time was having their civil war trying to end slavery and Britain was trying to do the same thing through like this Africa area. Yeah, 1861 to 1865. Yeah, right. So it's a whole, almost a world event trying to end slavery at the same time. Yeah. And all because of that amazing Grace guy. Oh, really? I don't know. Oh. I think that was part of the story is that he wrote that song and everyone's like, hmm, maybe no slavery. Yeah, okay. The Sultan at the time, he lost a bunch of money because he would get like a duty on slaves sold through that area because they, they would go through Zanzibar. And so because he lost all this money, he would then develop slave trade within Zanzibar to make up for said lost money. More pressure came from Britain in 1842 to completely abolish and Royal Navy ships were sent to the area to enforce the ban. Now, it was said there was, there was only four ships sent to that area to try and like, you know, inspect other ships to say, hey, you guys transporting slaves or whatever like that. And apparently it wasn't very effective because, again, only four ships to Indian Ocean, you know. Yeah. In 1873, Sir John Kirk informed Sultan Bargh Barghash bin Said, the son of the previous sultan, who died in one. Looks like I've deleted that for some reason. Just died in one. Yep. One fell swoop. Yeah, he died a couple of years earlier. That a blockade was imminent. Mm. And he reluctantly signed the Anglo-Zanzibari Treaty, which finally put an end to the slave trade in that area. Right. One thing I do love, by the way, just as a side note, is that you always go for these stories with names that you just have no way of knowing how to produce, (laughs) pronounce. All slave markets were closed and liberated slaves were then protected. Right. Not necessarily the complete end of it because I'll get to it towards the end. It's a long process. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you have an entire industry that you have to shut down. Yeah. And then replace the work from. Yeah. That was always, that was one of the arguments with, Slavery in the US, they were like, well, who's going to do the work? And it's like, I don't know, people that you pay? Probably the same people, you just pay them, yeah. not make them slaves. Uh, yeah. By 1890, Zanzibar had become a prectoriate of prect- Britain. Yeah, I kind of almost mixed Britain and prectoriate together. Uh, it was not a colony, however. Okay, that's weird for the uh, UK. It did say something along the lines of, that they was the colony. norm for like the African countries because they were undeveloped per se. Right. And okay. they, yeah, so instead of making them a colony, they just yeah. put them under protection, which also meant it kept the territory under the sovereignty of the sultans. Right. Germany also had an interest in the area as well, in that East African area, which became, then became known as uh, East German Africa or German East Africa. I do love the way they name things. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, like the Germans were mainly focused on the mainland. There were a few clashes between German troops and locals because of things like German-controlled areas refusing to fly the flag of the Sultans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Spor- sporadic, sporadic engagements between- um, Hey, put out that flag. No. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's so go. A lot of the ethnicities in the area too are like Africans and Arab people and stuff like that. So there's, there's a bit of a mix of- Cultural, as well. yeah, yeah, cultural mix. Yeah. 
from the in, so remember we're in the independent sultans too. We're not under the Oman sultans. Yeah, there's like a lineage. So the first sultan, Majid bin Said, who was succeeded by his son Bagash bin Said, he was then succeeded by his brother, the third sultan. I'm going to skip a few names here so it doesn't get confusing. Also, the ruling years are a bit short. After the first fella, who was a couple of years, the years get a bit shorter for the time they ruled. Okay. So, like I said, the third sultan was the brother of the second. The so fourth- is this like kind of a, like a royal family kind of thing? Or? Kinda, yeah. Okay. Is this, how, is this what Succession is about? <laughs> Have you, do you watch that show? The TV show Succession? Yeah. That's not what this is about. Okay, never mind then. I'm, I don't watch it. Succession is about people in New York running a media empire. What are you talking about? I would. I thought it might have had something to do with like a royal family. Like how? No. Okay. Anyway, moving on from that. Cut that. <laughs> it's <laughs> Succession. You just like, hear the title like, and you're like, yeah, it's a yeah, show about the king. <laughs> it's like one of the most popular shows on the planet at yeah, the moment. Awesome. I got nothing. <laughs> wow. And I'm the one that's never seen any media. Oh, where were we at? Third is this. <laughs> third is the brother of the second. The fourth Sultan Sultan was the son of the third. Okay, and he was the one to sign the treaty in 1890, which turned Zanzibar into a British protectorate. I just how confident you were about like <laughs> that's what it's about. Is it <laughs> like what? That's, you've never seen it. <laughs> the fifth Sultan Hamad bin Thawani. I'm not sure where he came from. I looked it up a bit. Probably I don't his think. Mom. Yeah, good one, boy. I don't think he was a brother or son of the previous guys, but he was a relative of okay. the El Said House, to right. which the previous sultans were also relatives. Okay. He also maintained a close relationship with the British, although there was growing opposition among the people. To control this, British authorities allowed the sultan to raise a Zanzibarian palace guard of around about a thousand men. Anyway, he ruled for three years and 173 days until the 25th of August, 1896, which is the day he died. Rip. That is also two days before the start of this war. Okay. So his death kind of triggered this? Yes. Okay. His rule ended because, well, he died suddenly and it was suspected he was assassinated. The suspect? Khalid bin Bargash. His okay. nephew. What are you searching? Nothing. Just okay. continue on. His, uh, Khalid, the nephew, just happened to move into the palace and take up rule. Sus much? So it was never confirmed that his nephew killed him. Right. It was highly suspected that that was the case. The British government would have preferred a different candidate, Umad bin Muhammad. Khalid was warned to think carefully about his actions because... Uh, are you ready for the most British name ever? Oh, here we go. Lord Floppajingabongo. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> That's also the least British name I could have thought of. I just put Lord in front of it. Yep. Basil Cave. Oh, yep. <laughs> and General Matthews had, you know, warned, yeah, warned, warned him not to take such actions. This had worked three years earlier when Khaled tried to t- claim the rule from Hamad's predecessor.
prelude to war. However, the 29-year-old ignored the warnings and he began mustering his forces in the palace square. By the end of the day, they numbered 2,800 men, armed with rifles and muskets. I was waiting for musket. Musket. But you were yawning, so. Yeah, you got me in the middle of a yawn. Musket. John and I love muskets. We love muskets. We went to a, we went to a shooting range once with our mate, Cheesy, and uh, there was a guy with a musket there, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Mm. And it is uh, it is ridiculous how long it takes to yeah. reload and fire that thing again. Also, it's in GTA, and we used to try and kill each other with Musket. muskets in GTAs. <laughs> yeah. And for the kill to count, you'd have to pronounce- Musket. As you shot it. Mm. <laughs> the force considered consisted of mainly civilians, but also 700 Zanzibari Askari soldiers. The Sultan's artillery- which consisted of several Maxim machine guns, a Gatling gun, a 17th century bronze cannon. I'm going to come, to, come back to the cannon in a minute. Two 12-pounder field guns, which were all aimed at the British ships in the harbour. Can you just quickly, I'll get a photo up for the socials, just Google 17th century bronze cannon. 17th century bronze cannon. Now, bronze is not the hardest of metals, is it? No. It's quite a soft metal, but they, and they made cannons out of it. Is that just because they had nothing else? I'm not sure. But the bronze, okay. 17th century bronze cannons look cool. They look pretty cool. Are we talking like a ship one or like which of those is closest? One with the wheels, like with the field They all cannon. have wheels. Oh, okay. The big wheels or the little wheels? Big wheels. Okay. So like the ones in the middle at the top? Yep. That would have been helpful if you just said middle top. Sorry. <laughs> have you seen mini cannons? Mini cannons. Yes, you can purchase- Like mini- what was on the back of Adam's car? Oh. <laughs> that was a large cannon. I don't know what you were talking <laughs> that was, about. That cannon was larger than the sun. No, you can buy like <laughs> mini cannons that are about- Yeah. Do they that? fire? 50. Like the size of a matchbox car. Yep. And they fire. All right. And I, I've wanted one for a long time. I just yeah, don't know now if I can, want one. I don't know if we can get them in Australia. Imagine if you just like had that on your desk. Yeah, that's like can't, the desk- Fired cannons. You can yeah. do that. And they fire little metal projectiles. Projectiles. Oh, that sounds dangerous. I'd take someone's eye out. It, they look so cool. Like you put a little bit of fuse in it and light it, it goes, and, and yeah. they wheel backwards. Like That's awesome. You're looking it up there, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have time for this, boy. <laughs> desk can- well, you keep talking. I'll find a desk cannon for sale. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, he had quite a bit of an armament. Um, the Sultan's- Troop also took control of the Zanzibar Navy. Yep. Do you want to have, guess how many ships are in the Zanzibar Navy? Uh, I'm guessing that it's like one or two. You are correct. It consisted of one wooden sloop, the HSS Glasgow. Sloop. Which was based on the British frigate Glasgow and was built as a royal yacht for the Sultan in 1878. Are you trying to say Glasgow? What am I saying? Glasgow. It is Glasgow. Yeah, you're saying glass cow. Yeah. <laughs> the HMS glass cow. <laughs> Boy, could they not throw stones in that thing. Ooh. Yeah, so it's not even really a military yacht. It was built as a royal yacht. Yeah, right. Anyway, you found these desk cannons yet? Yeah, look, the, the ones that I'm finding are not exactly what you're describing. Oh, oh here we go. Minicannontech.com. Yep. <laughs> Our best mini cannon yet. Let's have a look at this bad boy. 
Oh, where do you think they're designed and manufactured and assembled? America. Yeah, of course. <laughs> America. It's been a while, boy. I've Bleep wanted yeah. one of these things for a while. Yeah, what are we talking? 155 US. Wow. That's a lot. Oh, and then you got to pay 25 bucks for like the- Projectiles? Yeah. Bit of black powder. They're pretty dope looking though. They're so cool. You can get like ship ones too with the little wheels. Yeah, nice. Where's the video? Oh, here we go. We're obviously going to cut this. Yeah. Oh, look at this. He's got this tiny little ball. He's like, eh. Yeah. It's so cool. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's impressive. I want one. Oh. They shot it at a can and the can just like exploded. Yeah. Is it the, wow. sil- the silver can full of water? Yeah. Goes through both sides. They're powerful. Oh, now they just shot it at that sushi drink. I don't know what the name is. The one with the little ball on the top and it like. Wow. This okay. Might, this might be a little bit. Little bit for little cannons. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. cool. The British forces also started to muster their troops. 900 Zanzibarian or Zanzibari Askani soldiers, 150 sailors and Marines who came ashore from their boats. Khalid attempted to get uh, aid from the US consul and have his uh, ascension recognised, but the messenger was told, as his ascension has not been verified by Her Majesty's government, it is impossible to reply. So, no. Yeah, get stuffed. (laughs) Get out of here. You little brat. Get out of here, chief. Basil continued to send messages to Khalid, requesting that he stand down and return home. Khalid would reply he would proclaim himself as Sultan at 3pm. This would be considered an act of rebellion, and at 2.30, the previous Sultan was buried, and exactly 30 minutes later, a royal salute from the palace guns signalled Khalid's secession. Old Basil would seek approval from the British government to open fire on the palace once all attempts of peaceful resolution failed. Wow. So we're starting to, everything's starting to kick kick off. off. Remember, the previous Sultan died that day. And yeah. he was buried in that afternoon. So. Oh, he died and was buried the same day. Yep. Wow. That's efficient. Go Zanzibar. Not like my last episode where our mate died and then 75 years later yeah. he was buried. <laughs> Sheesh. The next day, more tensions built. The raccoon would anchor up beside the thrush and sparrow and level their guns towards the palace. Also, a British flagship, St. George, entered the harbour, who had Rear Admiral Harry Rawson, Harry Rawson aboard. He was the commander-in-chief, and at the same time, they received Lord Salisbury's, another great British name. Salisbury. uh, Received Lord Salisbury's telegraph, authorising them to do whatever measures they deemed necessary to remove Khalid from power. Further negotiations between Basil and Khalid failed, and Rear Admiral Rawson sent an ultimatum requiring him to pull down his flag and leave the palace by 9am on the 27th, or they would open fire. That afternoon, all merchant vessels were removed from the harbour and British women and children were taken to the St. George for their safety. Wow. So they're like, all right, come on, guys. This is serious. Everything's like, it's all building. Yeah. Imagine the tension. It was noted that the silence that hung over Zanzibar that night was appalling. Yeah. The usual sound of drums beating or babies crying were not heard and there was absolute silence. Yeah. Spooky. My next title, War, War Never Changes. Okay. 
<laughs> That's not the reaction I thought. This is a nice fallout reference, boy. <laughs> Just for you, boy. 8am, an hour before the deadline, Khalid requested parlay with Basil. They would reply and say he would only have salvation if he fully agreed to the terms of the ultimatum. At 8.30, another message from Khalid said that they had no intentions of hauling down their flag and said they believed the British would not open fire on them. To which Basil <laughs> responded that they didn't want to. However, if he didn't do as he was, as he was told, they definitely would. This is so British, by the way. <laughs> you reckon? Hey, you have control, but not really. Yeah. 8.55. Receiving no further communication, the St. George raised its flag, like um, its prepare for action flag or signal. Yep. As I said in the opener, 9am the order was given and 9.02 the bombardment began. They fired upon the palace. A round from the thrush immediately dislodged one of the 12-pounder cannons. There were roughly 3,000 people present in the largely wooden palace. Defenders, slaves and servants. Even though it was fortified with barricades of crates, bales and rubber, there were many casualties from the high explosive shells. A small naval engagement broke out at 9.05. You know the one boat the Sultan had, the royal yacht, the glass cow? The Glasgow. It opened fire on the St. George, the British flagship. So not even like a proper naval ship. Yeah. It's opened fire it's on like, the British flagship. Yeah. Cop this. Uh, it opened fire with its armament of nine-pound guns and Gatling gun. The returning fire caused the Glasgow to sink. Though the harbour was shallow enough, the mask was still sitting out of the water. This allowed the Glasgow crew to hoist the British flag, a sign of their surrender to which they were all rescued by British sailors. Thrush also sank two steam launchers, whose crew had come about and fired at them with rifles. <laughs> Just not much. Good, good on them for trying. <laughs> A for effort. Here's yeah. your participation award. Some land fighting occurred when Khalid's men fired at the 900 Zanzibari soldiers um, as they approached. Well, the, those soldiers were fighting for the British and as they were fired upon as they approached the palace. But it was quite ineffective. 9.38 a.m., the fighting ended. Have a look at the time on the clock, boy. Oh, 37 minutes. 9.38, the fighting ended when the shelling had finished. The palace and the attached harem was on fire, the sultan's artillery had been silenced, and his flag had been cut down. The British now controlled the palace and the town, Hamoud bin Mohammed had been installed as Sultan uh, with reduced powers. Overall, the British ships and crews had fired around 500 shells, 4,100 machine gun rounds, and 1,000 rifle rounds during the 38 minutes. Yeah, that's war. quite a lot. That, that is actually quite a lot. That's a lot of shelling in 38 minute. minutes. Yeah. So we're probably going to be sub 38 minutes with the editing. But as of yeah. recording, 38 minutes and 30 seconds. That's how long the war lasted. Yeah, by the time we wrap up, we'll probably be right on. Yep. The aftermath. Casualties for the Zanzibaris was about 500 men and women, most from the fire that engulfed the palace. It is unknown how many of the 500 were combatants, but it is said that the Khalid's gun crews were decimated. Casualties for the British? One. One petty officer who was severely wounded, (laughs) but later fully recovered. Oh, wow. So he didn't even die. Nope. Wow. 
There was some looting that happened while all this took place. It took place in the Indian quarter. How? How did they have time? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody else is just like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Go steal that teapot. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it took place in the Indian quarter and about 20 inhabitants died in the chaos. Oh, jeez. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it must wow. be quick and ruthless. Yeah. British sailors formed a makeshift fire brigade to contain the fire, which had spread to a customs shed. Uh, and there was some concern that these sheds, there was some concern because these sheds held a sizable store of explosives. Yeah, wow. Fortunately, no explosions occurred. Khalid, however, where was he during all this? Some reports said he fled at the first shot fired. Other reports say he stayed for a while. In any case, he had run and he had sought refuge in the German consulate. So there was a German consulate yeah. inside like the Zanzibar city. The Germans would not extradite a political prisoner. On October 2nd at 10am, he would step directly from German consulate ground to a German war vessel and was taken to Dar es Salaam in German East Africa. Khalid was, however, captured later on in 1916 during the East African campaign of World War I and exiled to St. Helena before being allowed to return to East Africa where he would die in Mombasa in 1927. It is noted... In the list of sultans of Zanzibar that Khalid was sultan for two days. The British would punish Khalid's supporters by forcing them to reimburse the cost of the shells fired, as well as the damages caused by looting. Wow. Which all amounted to about 300,000 rupees. Sultan Humad was loyal to the British and acted essentially as a figurehead for British-run government for the next five years. Yeah. He did manage to finally abolish slavery completely in all forms, and for this was knighted by Queen Victoria. Good on him. Freeing the slaves, however, was a slow process, as by 10 years, only 17,293 had been freed from an estimate population of 60,000 in 10 years. Mm. The palace itself, it was badly damaged and was demolished due to being unsafe. So was the harem and the lighthouse. Sorry, Aaron's mum. Oh, the palace she'll be site, very upset. <laughs> the palace site became an area of gardens and a new palace was built where the Haram was. Many of the British officers were highly regarded for their action leading up to and during the war. I'll only touch on one, Harry Rawson, the Rear Admiral. He was appointed a Knight Commander of the Order of Bath and would later become the Governor of New South Wales. Oh, there yeah. you go. Aussie connection. Yep, that's why I'm only touching on him. Hmm. There were no further rebellious rebellions against the British during the remaining 67 years of its proctorate. And that's oh. when they formed. They got beaten so badly. They're like, eh, let's not try again. Yeah, well, everyone was kind of happy for a while yeah. until they formed the United Nations of Tanzania. Yeah. There and that, go. roughly around the 38-minute mark after editing, <laughs> is the shortest war in human history. Well, there you go. Good stuff. Good episode. Yeah, interesting. Um, kind of like encapsulates the British though. They're like, no, nah, we want you to do it our way, but you still have control. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, and also kind of, I got like a spoiled brat feeling from Khalid. Like he was just like, no, no. this is mine. Yeah. I'm not going to do as you t- tell me to. Q, I won't <laughs> do as you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he effed around and found out. Yeah, he did. Boy, did well. He didn't because he survived. He, he, the other five hundred people didn't. He he pissed off. Yeah, yeah. So, Mm. oh well. But yeah, uh, and like I said, a lot of 
a lot of this was the same as many other wars. It's not just the 38 minutes of actual fighting. There was yeah. two days of build up. Yeah. Tension. And then off it went. And then so the, really yeah. it's a three day war. <laughs> well, if you class when yeah. shots were first fired or I guess declaration of war, which is when you. Yeah. Act shots aggression. fired. Mm. But that is the Anglo-Zanzibar war. Yeah. Well, we will have images to supplement what you've heard on yep. at Cheeky Tales Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> There's actually a really good photo. And on threads, maybe. I don't know. Oh, we get, have we got threads? We signed up for threads. Ooh. Yep. I snaked that. Nice. Oh, there's a really good photo of how all the ships were lined up. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I had a look and at the it, article. It about, really yeah. does look like a Microsoft Paint yeah, it does. <laughs> drawing, but it's, it gives you a really good image of where everything was positioned. Yeah. So that um, the Royal Yacht, it stayed like in the water uh, until yeah. about 1927, I think. Um, so it was just it was there for like 30 years with the masks still sticking, sticking out, out of the water. water. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. There's a panorama in the uh, oh, is there in the Wikipedia that shows its mast still poking up about a couple meters. Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, good episode, boy. Yep. Let's wrap it up so wrap we don't up. go too much longer than the actual okay. fighting. <laughs> Have a great evening, everybody, even though it's afternoon. So good are afternoon, we, are everyone. We, are we still pretending it's night? No, nah, I'm not going to. Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. Goodbye. I was just going to do a Sean and not say anything. Oh, well, Sean's still here to not yeah. give any goodbye. So Good afternoon, Chiquitos. I was going to say muchachos. Muchachos. <laughs> Chiquitos. <laughs>